BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, it's Erica. Just coming at you with an opportunity to help us make our show better for you. We have a listener survey going that takes literally just eight minutes of your time. We want to hear what ideas you have for the show, what you like about it, what you don't like. It's literally going to inform what we do with the show. So please take our listener survey. It's at kqed.org slash the Bay Survey. And thanks. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Okay, so I'm passing by this um, huge building that I pass by actually pretty often out here in Vallejo. It's this like very different looking building compared to everything else around it. It's got this kind of like modern look to it it has these empty rooms at the bottom that you just i can imagine like businesses being in and for a while this building was kind of just sitting there like half built and it wasn't until the last couple of weeks and months that construction really seems to have started picking up and it turns out it's actually an affordable housing complex that has been financed in part by the now collapsed Silicon Valley Bank, which got me wondering what's gonna happen to this building. Silicon Valley Bank had its hands in nearly a dozen affordable housing projects around the Bay Area. And now the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank is gonna have a big impact on these really important projects. It really does just highlight how much affordable housing and our housing crisis is tied to these banking systems. The feds have taken over Silicon Valley Bank, but that doesn't mean these projects are totally in the clear. Today, what the bank's collapse means for all that affordable housing. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. 
So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. Regional banks like Silicon Valley Bank play a pivotal role for affordable housing. Sydney Johnson is a reporter for KQED. In most cases, a loan is entirely necessary for an affordable project to get off the ground. Most, if not all, affordable housing gets built with a combination of loans, equity investments, and government subsidies, such as tax credits. State funding and purchasing existing housing to make it affordable is another tool that the state will sometimes use, but for building new projects, most if not all affordable housing will get built with lending. Why are smaller and local banks in particular so important to affordable housing projects? So Silicon Valley Bank claims that it spent at least $2 billion on affordable housing projects over the last two decades in the Bay Area. It may not be a huge surprise, but affordable housing is not always the most lucrative option for big banks and lenders, even if it is really steady work. We're in a housing deficit. We need more housing. We need more affordable housing. So in that sense, affordable housing can be an attractive asset for a bank because it's something that they know will eventually pay off. But compared to, say, market rate or luxury housing, you're not going to see that same really high return on investment in terms of dollars. But the reason why banks like Silicon Valley and, and these other local banks are really important is because they will often invest in some of these projects that some big national banks will not. For these local banks, it often is part of an obligation that they may have to serve their community, or they may be able to take advantage of certain tax credits. Often, it is these regional banks that are investing in these projects that the Bay Area really needs. While affordable housing projects get a good chunk of money from Silicon Valley Bank, the bank's real bread and butter is in venture capital and tech startups. In the lead up to the bank's collapse, murmurs that Silicon Valley Bank might be in trouble spread. And in just one day, customers pulled out billions of dollars from their accounts, causing the bank to fail virtually overnight. The collapse immediately raised questions about what would happen to all the housing projects tied up in the bank and which projects those were exactly. Okay, so $2 billion in loans doled out to affordable housing projects around the Bay. Once Silicon Valley Bank closed, how'd you go about finding what projects might be affected? I did what most reporters do. I picked up the phone and I started calling around. I contacted several different affordable housing developers around the Bay Area. I also contacted cities directly to ask their housing departments, do you have any projects that are being financed through or with Silicon Valley Bank? And are any of those in trouble now that the bank has failed? What'd you find? 
So I found that there are at least 11 projects around the Bay Area that have largely or entirely affordable housing as a part of it. And they had financing that was threatened as a result of the Silicon Valley Bank closure. There were five in San Francisco, three in San Jose, one in Vallejo, one in Livermore, and one in East Palo Alto. The largest that I found was in San Jose and actually in San Francisco as well. They were both 135 units. And the smallest was a small apartment complex in East Palo Alto that was 32 units. Some of these are housing projects slated for teachers. Some are affordable units for seniors. And altogether, we found about 1,000 units that were impacted. And, you know, that's just a thousand units when we're talking about the number of actual people that can be housed here. I mean, you could potentially double that number. And that's just the projects we know about, right? Because there were some cities that didn't get back to you. That's right. I didn't hear back curiously from the city of Oakland, and the developers that I spoke to didn't have projects there that were affected by this bank run. Um, So that's one city that I'm still curious about because we know that obviously the housing crisis is present in Oakland, and we know that they also are looking a lot at affordable housing. Okay, so that's 11 projects that we know about, though it sounds like there could be more. What immediate impact did the closure have on these affordable housing projects? I think it was really just a giant shock and scare immediately and confusion. In one case, there was a a developer that I spoke to and they had $42 million worth of loans with Silicon Valley Bank. That's a lot of money for construction. And so for them, it was a big heart drop sort of moment. How could this happen? It all happened quite quickly too. But we have heard as the waters have settled somewhat that these projects are still in good standing in the sense that they are not going to be torn down, but really the next steps are are still somewhat to be seen. Developers say they've been reassured by Silicon Valley Bank and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, that they will in fact get the loans that they were promised. Lots of people have been able to breathe a sigh of relief as a result. But it doesn't mean that everything is A-OK now. This is still very much a fluid situation. Affordable housing projects uh, never have much margin for error, uh, financially or otherwise. I spoke with Senator Scott Weiner, who is a major housing advocate in this state and has also been pretty outspoken about San Francisco needing to increase affordable housing within its city boundaries. This is still a disruption. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen to these projects, and uh, we need to make sure that they happen. He was very concerned about the threat and uncertainty that there now is around these projects. And he firsthand had some experience with trying to get a loan for a local project from a big bank. We could not get anything from them. And it was First Republic, 
that stepped up and gave us the construction loan that allowed us to build San Francisco's LGBT community center. I think anytime there is a major banking event like this, it usually takes some time to see what the fallout really will be. So, you know, we're, we're concerned about what may happen or what is happening at First Republic Bank um, and, and what potentially trickle-down effects that could have on this space. But in the immediate term, the projects that we identified have been assured that they will at least be able to continue. Now they're in a place where they have to find a new lender for these projects and think about their long-term new banking partner. So it sounds like these projects are sort of not delayed uh, for now, but that they sort of need to find other places to help finance them since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And I guess a question that I have to ask is, should we be worried about what this story means for affordable housing and the housing crisis in the Bay Area? I think so. I'm worried. I also think that there will be delays as a result of this. And when you look at the specific projects, teacher housing, senior housing, like these are groups that need housing yesterday. And without, you know, keeping these projects on track, I think that that is really concerning. And I think it may also have investors questioning you know, what their projects are, tightening their belts. I think that this does put a lot of question around just affordable housing investment in general. This whole experience really reveals how vulnerable affordable housing is to these economic systems that we've developed in the Bay Area and obviously across the nation. We have an economic system that does not necessarily incentivize affordable housing. And so I think that definitely calls into question just overall, you know, the reliance there. And are there ways we can build this without those relationships? I don't know. Well, Sydney, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Erica. That was Sydney Johnson, a reporter for KQED. If you know of any affordable housing projects impacted by the closure of Silicon Valley Bank, hit Sydney up. Her email is sjohnson at kqed.org. This 23-minute conversation with Sydney was cut down and edited by our intern, Jalen Herdman. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this episode and added all the tape. Our senior editor is Alan Montecilio. Support for The Bay is provided by the Osher Production Fund. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Hi, 
I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.